And over to Dave, who's going to take the next bit. Now, I'm speaking this morning on salt and light. Now, Carly reminded me this week that um, Peter spoke on salt and light, or at least salt anyway. Um, But if Peter's listening, I'm not copying you. This is something completely different. I'm not speaking from the book of Acts either. Uh, I shall just speak, um, and it will be a little bit different. Uh, Carly set me up last week as being some kind of weirdo. I'm just going to confirm that to you today, that's all. Um, I will talk to you, I hope, in a prophetic way. Some of the things I will do will be prophetic acts. Uh, But I hope doing that will help you to understand the points I'm trying to make. Uh, I've done all that and I've forgotten to uh, get myself ready on my notes. Too busy on these things. Okay. So, Roger, can I have the the scripture up? This is the scripture. That's not the one I was looking for. (laughs) It's probably the one I wrote down, but I'm looking for the one about salt and light. Uh, It's probably, I've probably just guessed it. Anyway, let me just read it from my Bible then. then. It's a bad start, isn't it? Let's read this. It's not Roger's fault, by the way, it's mine. Do, do. Anyone know what the first book of the New Testament is? Are you all completely <laughs> ignorant? No hands going up? Nobody wants sweets? What is Anna? Matthew. Sorry, Emily. Oh, I'm really doing badly, aren't I, this morning? Uh, Where is it? Thirteen. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and it will be trampled underfoot as worthless. It's quite a, quite a clear uh, statement. Uh, let's look. I always say we must understand what the context of what we're reading is in Scripture before we, we study it. So Matthew 5, verse 13, first book of the New Testament. Um, it comes in what is known as the Beatitudes. Does anyone know what the Beatitudes mean? I've no idea either. So if you'd said, I've no idea, that would have been the correct. Oh, well done. Yes. Blessed. It means, it means kind of the beautiful attitudes. And it starts off with the blessing, how you can be blessed, how you can live your, your life in a moral way, in a very good way. And this was not the first time that Jesus would have written this. He would have taught this all the time. If you look in the book of Luke... In chapter 6, the similar teaching is there, except it's not called the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. Now, that is the reason for that is not that it starts off with a lifeboat, uh, a life jacket, and you go down here and the 
plains down here and all that. It is about a plain, a flat area of earth. But Jesus would have taught this many times, this whole idea of the morality of God and how you should behave. And he's coming to this at the beginning of his teaching. So he's saying you need to be salt and you need to be light. But what I want to look at, first of all, is the definition of that. What is it, what does being salt look like? What does light look like to us? And then I want to look at how we can be salt and how we can be light. Because without understanding that, we're wasting our time. Uh, I need, I'm going to need a couple of, of uh, volunteers in a minute. But very often people will talk about um, the salt in this way as preserving things. And yes, that's right, but I don't want to look at that. I want to look at it in a different way. So if I can have uh, two volunteers. Okay, Tom and Tom, can you come and help me? I like volunteers. Hooray! Now, I have a bucket of ice here. It's been there about an hour or two. There's very little water in there. Now, I am going to set these two lads a task. You have got to take a thousand grains of salt... Here you are. And you've got to put it on there. One grain at a time. Okay, get on. There you are. Tweezers. Leslie, I nicked your tweezers. Sorry, dear. Please forgive me. <laughs> Whilst they're busy doing that, count them. Count. I don't care. It might be rubbish, but just use them, Tom. <laughs> Leslie's tweezers. Thomas has got the good ones. Tom's got the rubbish. You, no, one at a time. Not so many. One at a time. Oh, can't get the staff, can you? Okay, whilst they're busy doing that, Roger, could we have the, the video? This is to show what the effect of salt in water does. Hi, I'm Eric Trinidad, and we're here at the Dead Sea in Israel, where we're going to answer the question that we've all been wondering since biblical times. Will a 14-pound bowling ball float in the Dead Sea? Do you think a 14-pound bowling ball float in the Dead Sea? Um, I'm going to say no. The Dead Sea has attracted visitors for thousands of years, and today it's a popular destination for tourists who come to cover themselves in therapeutic, mineral-rich mud. They also come for the novelty of floating in the water, because there's so much salt in it that many things become unusually buoyant. Tell me, do you think a 14-pound bowling ball will float in the Dead Sea? Um, yeah. I'm not really sure. I don't know. It could go either way. About 31% of Dead Sea water is comprised of natural salt. This makes the Dead Sea denser than ordinary water by about 17 to 24%, depending on the data you find on the internet. This means that a 14-pound bowling ball could float in the Dead Sea, but not in a tub full of bathwater, or at the beaches of Israel along the Mediterranean. 
or in a swimming pool outside the old city of Jerusalem. Or even in the Sea of Galilee, where Christians believe Jesus walked on water. Has anyone ever tried to do this before? Not as far as I know. Never with a body boat. I think that was probably one of the worst videos I could possibly have brought. It's hilarious. I mean, covered in mud like that is, is ridiculous. The point is that w when we are salty, we help make society buoyant. Things that should drown, we can help to lift up. That was the point. I thought it was just funny, though. Just... Now... Um, how are you getting on, boys? Hey, that wasn't one at a time. How many have you counted now? About 10,000. <laughs> well, it's a million now you've got to do. <laughs> Thomas, how are you getting on? Not so good. Not so good. How many? What have you got to? <laughs> about, about five. Yeah. <laughs> about 500. Fair enough. Now, do you need any help? Do you need some help? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a hand. <laughs> hey, oh, that should get your million on there. And what's happening now? Can you hear? Yeah. It's melting. Can you hear it cracking? Yeah. That is brilliant. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Now, what's the point of that illustration? Is it, did you want to see, Jill? Oh, listen to it. It's cracking now. <laughs> it's a prophetic act, okay? When we are salty, we can start to melt cold hearts. It says in Ezekiel, people have a heart of stone and they're cold. When we are salty, we can start to melt people's hearts. And what I felt God say in this illustration was that sometimes our evangelism is like we are picking up one grain of salt at a time. But we are to ask for his help. And he will come with his Holy Spirit and he will pour that on the hard hearts. But he works with us. I hope that makes some sense. And he will bring the melting of people's hearts. So, um, the other thing is, who likes fish and chips? Who eats fish and chips here? When I go to Germany and Germans come over here, they go, oh, we must go and have fish and chips. Oh, this is English national food. And I go, well, it depends where you go. It can be rubbish, to be quite honest. But I, we do like fish and chips. Who likes uh, chips 
on their own with, without salt and vinegar. Who likes, who likes it with salt, chips and salt? Okay. Right, Phoebe. If I said to you, I better, I better sweeten this a bit. Phoebe, if I said to you, here's some chips and here's the salt. There, it's on there. I've put salt on your chips. Is that all right? It's like that. You know, there you are. Now, you've, no, 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 you're not supposed to touch it. The, the, the salt is on the chips. No, 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 don't, no. I mean, they're very hipster chips, aren't they? Look. Let me just take this. If you, if we are to be salt, we are not to be stuck in our little salty cloister. We are, because who would like chips with salt like that? You would. <laughs> I'll have to have a word with your mother and father. A very long word. The point is we need to put the salt on, isn't it? You see, in defining what salt means, we have to understand that it is not um, just that we are around it is that we have contact salt has to be in contact with what it is flavoring what it is melting so that is what the context of this is i believe that we are to be wise we are to be helpful and loving in a world that is looking for something salty so how can we be salty um, let me just a few weeks ago I think just early in the new year uh, I, I brought a prophetic word about uh, God saying that we are to be friends of God I don't know if you remember it you probably just think it's him dribbling on as usual but I felt it very strongly that we are to be known as friends of God not just a relationship with God um, I want your help here. Again, let me just now. If you can imagine that very soon it will be my fortieth birthday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I don't know why I bother with you lot. I, I, we went, Leslie and I went to, we were invited to an engagement party yesterday. I haven't told you this story. But there, there was a lady we were talking to, and she, she said, um, she told me voluntarily that she was 62, and she was coming up to retirement. And I said, oh, well, I, I've still got a good, good 10 years or more. She said, really? <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't, she didn't mean that I looked 30. She meant I, she thought I was 65, I think. <laughs> So, okay, uh, this is a, I didn't hear that, I'll see you later. Okay, now imagine you are coming to my 40th, but no, I'm setting up my 40th birthday party. And 
I have a very special restaurant and I only have an, a small number of places. I have 24 places. But I've, set a, I've written a list and I've got 27 on my list. And I talk to you, dear friends, and I ask you to help me out. Narrow down the last few. I need one spot and I've got four people who are down as the ones who could get cut out. Okay? So, I'm going to give you some names, and I want you to tell me which ones I should choose. So, the first one is, uh, these are very contrived names, so just bear with me. Emmanuel Withers. He's a financial advisor. (laughs) Not many people say woo to that. He's a financial advisor. When you have a problem with your money, you go to him. He's always been very good and helped you out, but you know him only from these times. So that's Emmanuel with us. And then there's somebody from the upper echelons, Lord Almighty. Whenever you need some advice, you seem to meet him. And when you walk the dog and you happen to bump into him, he always gives you good advice. That's the only time that you see him. You've never invited him round to your house. Ah, oh. oh dear. Um, the third person, Yahweh King. He's friends with all your other friends, and he seems to be a really good guy and cool. You've met him a few times, but he's never been round to your house. Ah. Oh. Fourth person, Jesus Christ. Now, this is a friend. He's always been there when you were down comforts you when you are sad he's a right laugh and you can have good times together he mixes well with all of your friends and when you were out of work he helped you when you hurt your back he sent some friends around to help you and you can speak to him you do speak to him every day now which one of those which friendship person would you expect me to invite to my party Yes, Emily. Jesus. My challenge to you is, what is your relationship with Jesus like? Is it like the financial advisor? Is it like someone that you meet and you walk the dog with? Is it someone who is just friends with all of your friends? It's an important challenge. I've made a light of it, but I want you to challenge yourself. How do you see your relationship with Jesus? Because what people are looking for is not when you say it's about having a relationship with God that they think it's like knowing your bank manager or your financial advisor. That could be, dare I say it for Chris, could be a little dull. (laughs) My, My financial advisor is different though. He's not here, though. (laughs) I hope you understand my point. It's important. Our relationship with God should not just be one where we meet Jesus walking the dog. It's an everyday, open friendship where we rely on him and talk to him. Because when you convey that sort of relationship to someone, 
they will be interested. They will be changed. And the other part of this is that it is important that we pray. I'll come back to this in, in a minute, but we must pray with some faith. Now, I, I felt God gave me this, this bar. You'll probably laugh, but anyway, it'll, it'll see. When you're praying for your friends, how much faith do you have? Now, let's try and set a bar for that. How many of you would expect that the United Kingdom would win the next Eurovision Song Contest? I mean, we've won it in the past. Several times we've won it in the past. But how much chance is there that we will win it again? Nil point. When you're praying for your friends... How much faith do you see that when you pray for them, you expect them to become Christians? Is it the same as the United Kingdom winning Eurovision Song Contest? Or do you actually think there is a chance? We need to have that expectation when we pray. And if we do think, you know, just challenge yourself, you know, praying for a colleague at work, I probably think there is as much chance of the United Kingdom winning the Eurovision Song Contest as a guy at work getting saved. I need to repent of that attitude. I need to change because I need to go to God with a heart full of faith because people do want to know about Jesus. And when we do pray, it again, it's like the salt coming down God will bless, he will pour out his spirit on the people we pray for. So that's salt. I want to talk about light now. Light is different to salt. There's a statement of the blindingly obvious. Um, When, uh, as I said, salt is important when it touches things. It only is useful when it is in contact, like this. You can't just stay in that for the chips. Light, however, is different because you you can do this from a distance. You can put a light outwards. So, uh, light in this context is about preaching the word. It is about speaking God's word. Because, you know, or or our actions. So like jigsaw is our light. Part of it. Tot zone is our light. People see it. We're We're not perhaps in contact with them initially, but they see it. It says that the light, we are, the church is a city on a hill. It can be seen from all around. So the things that we do, there was an article that was printed in the, I think, Matlock Mercury recently about Jigsaw. That is up there. That is the city on the hill. This is the church being light. So there's a different way. Salt has to be in contact. Light can be uh, from a distance. 
Um, however, there are ways, and, and it's important that we know our, the word. It is important that we understand God's word and how we use that. Um, this torch, uh, Bryony bought this for her trip to South Africa a few, few weeks ago. And the first time I, I put this on, I went like that, and it blinded me. We need to be careful about how we use God's word. Because if you blind someone with God's word, you will put them off, and they'll, I don't, don't want to be dealing with that. We need to look at it in a, in a different way, and I'll come back to that in, in a minute. But know God's word. So, uh, CBSI and reading your Bible and understanding your salvation is a very important part that we should have in our armory for evangelism. If you can understand your salvation, you can explain it to somebody else. If you don't fully understand it, you won't be able to explain it fully. And I challenge you, understand your theology. Understand how salvation works. Not, I mean, it will bless you by doing that, but then you will be able to pass, pass that on and explain that to people who don't know Jesus. And that is important. And you will do it not by blinding them, but by showing compassion for them. The other thing is that we, as, as light... Um, we need to be a team. I felt recently also that God was saying that we are not to just put over evangelism as one-to-one. Our evangelism is corporate. As important as one-to-one friendship evangelism is, our evangelism is also very important to be corporate and to work in a team. Uh, Carly was telling me a story a few weeks ago about uh, when she was helping on uh, Tot Zone. Everybody has their job to do. Uh, I think Carly and Angela and uh, Josie are the ones who are mixing with the, with the mums and talking to them, and Betty's helping out as well. And Sue Carnell, who I don't think Sue's here today. She's not. Which is a shame, because I wanted to honour her. Because... She goes there, she does the same at at Jigsaw, I think, as well. She goes there and she washes up. She serves. And what Carly found was that when Sue went on holiday, the whole thing fell apart because Carly and the others had to go and wash up the things because they'd run out. So they didn't have the time to spend talking to the mums to explaining various things. So you may think, oh, well, it doesn't really matter that I'm, I, I don't help on these things. It does. Be part of that team. Because when Sue wasn't there, it fell apart. And the, the three others who, their gift is being able to speak, had to end up doing the washing up. That's a shame, isn't it, Carly? And Carly's now banned her from going on holiday. <laughs> So we can see grace at work in in Carly's life on that, can't we? Um, Does anyone know what an usherette is? It's a very 
Ooh, Leslie's us. Now, I tried to find some pictures of usherettes that were not dubious. This is the only one I could find. <laughs> All the others were not suitable for Sunday mornings. <laughs> so, um, if you don't know, and, and many of the young people will not know, but when you went to the cinema, when you went to the cinema years ago, <laughs> it was dark. They were massive cinemas. You didn't have these multiplexes where you have, I don't know, six different screens or ten different screens. You had one huge cinema and one or two films a week. And when you went there, they were very steep uh, banking down to the, to the screen. And if you got to the top, it was dark. And you couldn't see a thing. And you could fall down the, the steps. So you see, this lovely lady here, this is the first usherette, she had a torch. She was dressed very soberly as well, I'm delighted to say. But what people would, what the usherette would do would be, they would take your ticket, look at it, go, ah, you're in row three, number F, or letter F. And they would take, she would take you down. There you are, it's down there, just there. Thank you. They would show you the way, guide you to your seat. What God is asking us to do is not to blind people, but to show them where they are to be seated. Because they are seated at the right hand of the Father. They just don't know it yet. They need to be taken there by us. So when we speak to people, we don't... I mean, how could you imagine an usherette, that lovely lady there, coming along with a sharp stick saying, come on, get in that seat there, come on, come on. And she'd probably ask some cinemas where that did happen. But not in the, that's not the way to do it. We are to show people, here is the seat, that the right hand of your father, where you will be honoured. It is a place where you are totally free to speak to your heavenly father. You are destined to be there forever. We have to have that mindset that that is what people, the lost world, they don't know it, but we can show them where they can sit, to show them the, that there is hope. We, we went to this engagement party last night, and Leslie and I agreed. We were talking to one lad, completely lost, completely lost. We need to get that light and show people the way to sit next to the, their heavenly Father so that they can enjoy the salvation that we have. And one of those things is that we come over with that friendship with God, not just a relationship with God. I want us to start thinking it's a friendship with God, not just a relationship with God. So, um, I've gone over time, but let me just conclude Let's be sought. Let's not just be stuck in here. We're not, I know. But even in our personal evangelism, get in touch with people. Get onto the chips. These chips are cold, by the way, so if you're tempted to eat them, don't. They'll be disgusting. So, be in touch with people. Know your scripture. 
we're going to try and teach about various ways to help people uh, have that um, assurance of how to handle questions, to be confident in doing that. Not arrogant, but confident. Strong in your salvation. And if you don't know it, get your group to help you so that when you do understand it, you can explain your salvation to everybody else. It's important. It's not just something that some people, some others do. It's not just for the likes of me. It's for every single one of us. We are all called to evangelism. All called because we have that friendship with God. And, as, and I go back to this, this picture here. This is what God is saying. When we, when we ask for his help, he will start to melt the hearts of people in society. So corporately, we need to pray. Individually, we need to pray. Should we just stand? Have we got time to do a song, Phil? Can we do that? No, not really. Okay. Let's just pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can be sought I pray, Lord, for those opportunities for us to be in touch with our friends, neighbours, relatives. That we can convey your truth with compassion and grace. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come like a mighty stream, like a mighty rushing wind into people's hearts that we may see you move them to salvation, Lord. Father, we thank you for your friendship. I pray where at times our friendship is more like meeting you as we, meet, as we walk the dog. I pray that it will be a more intimate, closer relationship for each one of us, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to change. We want to be changed. And other people will want to know that you change their lives, Lord. Father, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Tea and coffee, I guess. Yeah, we're just going to finish. Just one to add to that. The story I told earlier about two schools where all the children are saved, the, the, the interesting thing, it's the kids that have done it. It's not the adults. It's not the church going into those schools. It's the kids in the school that have done it that have led their friends to Jesus. So I just want to encourage you children that you can do it as well. This is not just talking to adults. This is for every one of us to be involved. And you can make a difference in your school, where you are, and you can see your friends saved. I really want to encourage you to do that.